0: Welcome everybody! My name is Alexander Greb, I am the Customer Advisor Lead SAP S4HANA Strategy at SAP and you are listening to the SAP Experts Podcast. This episode marks the start of a highly interesting and relevant series of episodes on this channel called How to Build Resilience and Win in the Recovery. In this series, we present you several episodes of condensed best practices and strategic know-how. information. That helps you and your enterprise to make the right decisions now concerning your actual firefighting activities and your strategic priorities and setup for the upcoming months. For this, we will have a dedicated episode for each relevant line of businesses like finance, operations, HR, sales, etc., and feature renowned experts from whom we can learn how to navigate past the icebergs in front of us. But for today, We will start with a 360 degree overview about the COVID-19 crisis, if there have been historic parallels, what can be learned from the past for today, which different phases we can expect, and not only what are the focus topics and relevant capabilities in each of these phases, but also where the pitfalls and how to avoid them. Custom advisor Viktor Höck has done extensive research into the recommendations of all major strategic consulting companies and will give us valuable insights into the best practices for best possible crisis performance. So let's kick off the series with this episode of the SAP Experts podcast. Hi, Victor, how is Vienna doing?
1: Hi, Alex. Great to hear you. Yeah, Vienna is doing great. Um, We've had actually a a couple of weeks of marvelous weather and um, yeah it seems like we're have seen the most drastic measures now being lifted in the couple, in the last couple of days and we're slowly but surely getting back to um back to some kind of normal. I so think. what what is yeah.
0: what is the mode for the coming week? Because we in, in Berea, for example you are now basically allowed to move outside but you have to wear a mask
1: or a yeah. scarf
0: or whatever but but this in my opinion makes no sense. So you are supposed to wear a mask and um most of the shops will start but unfortunately like schools and uh, in my case especially bad uh, kindergartens probably mm. not before mm. autumn as i'm afraid
1: of mm. um there is no guidance on kindergartens so far as i'm aware but um they had hardware stores open up last week which is a curious thing to to start with uh, there have been the first queues at McDonald's shops and and restaurants so far so the drive throughs they they were allowed to open up and and mm-hmm. there were like miles of um of uh, traffic jams before them that was fascinating and mm-hmm. for the next couple of weeks i think uh, the week after the next one um even the smallest shops are allowed to to open up again so think of barbershops even um and and uh, yeah, I think every kind of business will be able to open up, I think, after the, the next week. And
0: so so, so what's quite obvious by this now, um, basically, we are out of that, let's say, first phase of shock or isolation and so on. Things are changing, things are happening. And in the last mm-hmm. weeks, you, you did a lot of research on not only what is really going on at the moment, yeah. but also you checked a lot of competent sources like Basically, every company in the moment in tech or in consulting business is releasing papers and giving like right. recommendations on the economic consequences and so on. Um, but what we are trying to do here is, is to condense today a little bit this, what is on the air at the moment and to bring our perspective in on which several phases we should expect. Because probably, as we see, we are not on in the phase, uh, first phase anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And look at each phase and check for each line of business. What are the recommendations for building up resilience and master recovery? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what you already like did some publications on a topic already. And what I thought was particularly interesting when you checked for historical parallels, because, of course, mm-hmm. you can learn a lot from history. You found a term called the great retooling. Mm-hmm. Um, what is this all about? Can you give us an introduction to that? And why yeah. in this context is this very interesting?
1: Yeah, that's a curious one. Um, I don't want to take credit for it. I didn't invent it myself, of course, that uh, one of the partners of Bain has come up with this term. And um, he goes back to World War II to, to compare the situation that businesses in, uh, are in today. And uh, what he says is that back then, U.S. companies were, from one day to another, more or less were forced to completely change their business models, and that business leaders took this as an opportunity to really, you know, drive massive change within their organizations. Um, and they did this by applying the most recent technology and the most recent management techniques. So think of Hershey's, for example. Hershey's, of course, the big chocolate brand in the US, they went from producing 700,000 bars of chocolate, I think, to 2.4 million chocolates per week due to this great retooling, right? And that was because they employed now the newest technology like um, conveyor belts, for example, or different types of manufacturing chocolate, So also Ford, for example, they, they were still in the business of building planes back then right it's hard to imagine that today, but they went from two hundred um 1, to um to uh, uh, sorry two hundred thousand hours per plane to eighteen thousand hours per plane right due to this great retooling. so that's that's interesting because if you look at companies today they are forced to do a similar thing they are in a crisis situation right and they will probably have to apply the most recent technology in order to get an advantage once they get out of there. Because what all of these companies did back that Ford Hershey's, also Coca-Cola, for example, is one of the big companies back that hears back from this um, from this phase, they were all able to, um, to benefit from the great retooling that they have gone through. Right? So... Yeah. And what Bain then advises or in this partner Bain is to really also see this as a chance to um, check your business model, to check the way how you are doing things today, and um, yeah, drive some some kind of great retooling in your own organization today.
0: The reason why I think this, this parallel is really interesting. Um, of course, we have to look at the special situation of the US at that time back then. It was mm-hmm. not like in Europe where between Germany and yeah. the, its neighbors. Since years, um, many people were afraid, despite of appeasement and everything, that, that there were some bad things going to happen. But the US at that time was more or less, they kept themselves neutral. Mm-hmm. The first uh, first years of war until mm-hmm. of course Pearl Harbor happened. Exactly. a big, yeah. big shock at the moment. And so for the U.S. it was similar to what we expe- experience now. It was something really like a big shock, big crash. Things are going uh, to mm-hmm. change very fast. And um, also very interesting what what you said concerning um, not only the outputs completely changed because the same suddenly companies had not only to do to build different things, like mm. we experience at the moment when companies that were doing like fashion at first and are now building probably masks or Formula One teams like McLaren are supporting building um, um, breathing apparatus, those aspirators mm. and so on. Mm. It, it was also, of course, um, concerning their workforce in the same situation like we have at the moment when a workforce which were... Beforehand available, then was needed for military services and so on, mm-hmm. and they Absolutely. had to to cope with that new um, new 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 situation with with complete different um, kinds of, of working material they could put into it. So it, especially after the war, um, they did not go back to the normal again because too much had changed. New business um, or let's say new new working and and, and manufacturing systems had been introduced um certain things had happened and um in my opinion definitely um a a very fitting fitting um analogy where you can learn a lot Mm -hmm. when when we look since you said now everything is opening now um so i think we can agree yes the first phase the first Mm -hmm. phase is over can can we take a short look at this first phase i think um in your um in your um, work, you called it the hammer. Um, can you say some, um, some words about that?
1: Yeah, that, I mean, uh, when we talk about the uh, the coronavirus response that we're seeing right now, right, there's generally being made a distinction between the hammer and the dance. That's not my terminology, but that's um, uh, a terminology that goes back to a medium post by... A person that i forgot the name now but uh, they the hammer is the first phase of that right and it describes the measures that are being taken to really bring down the number of infections the number of new infections significantly and that's um you know uh, all the travel bans the closed borders the quarantines in, in entire regions my parents for example they live in they live in tyrol they weren't allowed to leave their their village that they live in um, for yeah a certain a certain number of weeks. And all those restrictions of social contacts, the stay-at-home ho- stay orders that are now also being implemented in the US that we've seen here, and uh, certainly all the Asian countries have seen as well, um, that's the hammer face, right? That's really the most restrictive measures uh in terms of social distancing also that are aimed at bringing down the number of infections without having um any sort of you know mitigation strategy other than just mm. prohibiting social contact.
0: Right? and especially this is the face of let's call it shock and awe. yeah mm-hmm. you have not yet a plan you you have to get your mind around what is happening it's, it's irrelevant for us as private persons as well as enterprises itself yeah mm. we have to to see okay what is the actual situation or we have to gain transparency and when we then have something like like a strategy and and, and can implement things so that things are getting better yeah then this is at least is something of an optimistic situation but at first with what you call it the face one the hammer um it's pure chaos, of course, in the beginning.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly, because it's mainly a strategy for for governments to win time, right? Until they can they can come up with a better plan than just yeah. keeping people apart. And yeah, and businesses were just forced to react to that. Um, they had to, you know, put a lot more focus on cash management, of uh, of course, because their regular revenue sources dried up from one day to another, right? That is the shock and awe that you referred to. And um, yeah, so they had to to significantly cut their payroll costs, for example. Um, Here in Germany, in Austria, they can do something called Kurzarbeit, so they can uh, reduce the number of hours that their workers are are working and receive some subsidy from the government. In the US, they are more or less forced to send their, their employees into unemployment. Um, and also you know just put off your payments cash in on your debtors um, yeah Adidas ;m H&M, Deichmann, those are the companies for example that have done this to maybe be, maybe more than was good for them yeah uh, because as it turned out that, that they were suspending their rental payments although they were arguably quite uh, yeah, profitable businesses that uh, inspired some public. Backlash against it, which is why I added SS back to backtracked already. I'm not sure about the others, but they um, yeah. So we've seen companies really go hard on their on, on on their cash management strategy at first. And yeah.
0: Which is but I think um I have fully understanding of this in in this situation you have to make decisions because any decision you make is probably better than doing no decision and and let the ship run down the street but of course it's 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 it happens then that you may do at first some decisions or some strategies which turn out not to be a good idea yeah everybody Mm -hmm. does and you maybe um get not the complete scope of course of that situation myself when, when I heard the first time I think in, in the beginning of January of this strange virus which is happening in China and I said, okay to be honest I thought I've been there done that yeah I exactly I I, I we had SARS we had uh, the, the pig flu or whatever in the past and so I said oh come on mm-hmm. yeah okay once more yeah mm. but um yeah of course it is different uh, but um from, from a finance perspective I think what what you said um is, is very important what to implement now something what you may have called in the time before let's say transparency excellence concerning being to be to know where your liquidity is to know where your cost is um, mm. which are interestingly the same things now that you need the same capabilities that you need that you have needed in any other crisis in the past I'm like I said I'm, unfortunately old enough to to remember well the crisis of 2008 and which Mm. companies at that time went down those companies who did not know where their liquidity was hiding yeah where the assets are how they were and so on those companies who basically every time and and we know there are a lot of them still that had to wait until the end of the quarter until their consolidation um, to to get a picture of their situation because they had almost no clue during that time. There are companies still in that situation. Um, so again, the same things are needed now and um, it's probably a good idea even in non-crisis times to try to work on that kind of, um, of quality level. And may- maybe we have, from our standard as a technology company, we ha- may have the advantage that we have something like a digital boardroom where we have everything in real time and our people can do our board members can do scenarios and so on in real time. In, in real time, but but no, no other, not not everyone else can. Some can, but not of course not not everybody can. Um, but I think at least getting when you talk about which kinds of capacities and capabilities I need now, yeah. this kind of transparency yeah, is crucial. Yeah, and mm, you really gain it by digitalization. I think this is a message we can. Win out of this first phase in finance.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, you do bring a good point there. It's in that respect, it's quite similar to the 2008 crisis, right? That you have a, a shock to your liquidity uh, at points, and then on the other hand, there is a big difference because your operations are affected in a completely different manner than than they had in 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 2008 right there was nobody was forced to work from home back then which is which was really significant now in this phase, right right. and and also um demand shifted massively away from you know standard entertainment restaurants whatever and towards groceries there's a good um article out in, in the new york times that really shows that spending categories have suffered tremendously all but groceries right groceries have gone up Significantly, I think they, they rose at times around thirty percent, and you know they were, they were just the the travel industry, for example, completely devastated yeah. as a as a result. So um, there is a shock to the real economy that's really distinctive for this type for this crisis that we are seeing now, right? And um, yeah, companies also had to react to that. So for example, you you mentioned the Formula One racing teams, for example, now building ventilators, etc. Uh, From their existing components, right? Instead of, um, you know, uh, assembling Formula One uh, race cars, but, and also breweries or distilleries who have now um, gone over to uh, create hand sanitizers, produce hand sanitizers instead of, um, you know, the booze that they probably produced before. That so these are yeah. you're
0: right, of course. You can argue that there are maybe some producers who do not have to deviate too hard from their products and taste and uh, <laughs> to produce hand sanitizers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, I think we, we you're absolutely right in that way that, that operations, um, those th- this is where retooling is done at the moment at its best, yeah. Um, you learn yourself better as a company, what are you? capable of doing mm. in kind of retooling we in a certain way re- retooled ourselves yeah, by um, talking now at our customers in a different way by giving them advice and then and, and try to support them um, in their strategy um, why not really with that selling software background in our head but still I think as you said we are now in a phase that maybe the first shock okay the blood level is going down again. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can see, let's say more or less a bit at least what, what um the next probably weeks and so on are up to and we try now to Indeed. to crawl yeah. and, and climb out of it. Um, but let's talk about the phase two, the dance.
1: Yeah. What is this characterized? Um, the dance. So we've had the hammer phase, right? That that really brought down infection levels in, in, in a couple of countries now and slowly but surely some of those countries are now entering into a so-called new normal. Um, that's the dance phase, if you will, where uh, you know governments are gradually lifting and, and mitigating all those social distancing measures that they have put in place. And they're now really again experimenting how much economic activity can you allow before uh, infection levels rise up again and how far can you do it before they exhaust the capacities of of the healthcare system right and that's really the experiment that we're now facing so on the one hand you have the target variable which is the infection rate and then you have all the influencing factors that you're now sort of you know uh, playing around with and uh, you know our chancellor, certainly, uh, Sebastian Kurz, he, he was very um, straightforward about, okay, now we're going to go week by week, and we're going to slowly uh, lift all, all the restrictions. But what he didn't really mention when he said that was that um, they're constantly also testing how far is the infection rate going up, and, and as soon as this would spike, Mm-hmm. They will quickly go back to something that's much closer to the to the hammer face than to any type of normality that we're used to, right? So there is this uh, this, this you know sort of Damocles more or less. Um, it's like 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 snapping walking, back can always yeah. happen. Yeah.
0: It's like walking on a nice edge and and of course, exactly. you, probably it is like this. If you like continue this for um, several more weeks, there yeah, are probably lots of more. Companies and, and bigger parts of the economies are going down. What you also then, of course, have to consider if this still something justifiable. Yeah, um, of yeah. course. Then, if you look and and I think this is then where where things are getting interesting. Mm. Um, there are several countries probably when you look into media and and see certain leaders how they yeah act in that kind of kind of mm. situations. What their country is that they are. Probably too early in lifting up these kind of restrictions again. So um, when we talk about what what which what you said is really interesting, like that this is that the dance on on the um, knife's edge, and it could be that there could be something of a snapback into a hammer when it was too early and and we misjudged the situation. Since we have different scenarios and since we have different situations, this can of course happen in different ways in different countries. So. For an enterprise now acting, it may be, okay, it's not like going, things are going up parallelly everywhere. It could be like that some parts where you source important goods. Some countries may snap back again, and you may lose these kinds of, of assets and these kinds of, of
1: sources again. Yeah, yeah I mean it, it, that's that's a that's a great point. I mean, it's not only your country that's affected yeah. by a probable snapback that could happen anytime; it's also your suppliers' country. Mm-hmm. It also you, it's also your customers' country, right? Mm-hmm. So, and it, the really the difficult situation around this is that you have to risk that your own country is dancing with the virus right now and all the other countries are also dancing with the, uh, with the virus, but they're not dancing um, to the same rhythm, right? They're all dancing um, in, uh, yeah, out of step, if you will. So that's the big risk for individual businesses right now that they really need to um, have a clear view on what's the situation in their respective countries that they're active in, including, the one where they have the, the main operations, of course.
0: So so what are the consequences out? If we look into certain lines of businesses, yeah. um, let's start with finance.
1: Yeah, so um, the overarching theme that you know the BCGs and the McKinsey's of this world have um, put out is that you need to engage in a lot of scenario planning right now, right? So you need to have a clear view into what is the current situation of your of your business what are the variables that are influencing the situation and which way can it develop and then you define certain actions that you that you you know sort of put in a in a drawer and once certain kpis cross uh cross a, a predefined threshold then you would put out this drawer and say okay this is our contingencies um measure that we put in place here And and that's this tune that they put in place for finance as well, for example. So um, you need to run a lot of liquidity stress tests and um, really run down your PL to to see where are your biggest costs right now and uh, where can you possibly, you know, free up liquidity um, when push comes to shove. And Yeah, so that's on the one hand, you need to really be good at managing your risk. And then on the other hand, you need to be able to cut your costs um, significantly. Uh, And you need to, yeah, just be much more flexible with your cost structure. And yeah, so that's really what um, what they were recommending um, for that part. And
0: so, so we're basically in something like a CABEX to opex shift, which is happening at the moment. Then then in this phase where you really have to try to um, not only keep the lights up, yeah, the, the storm is still there, you got your engine running again, but your ship is still going through the storm. You have to look to the left and to the right, what is happening because mm. the scenario a global scenario. But like as we said, the scenario can be a scenario which is different in, in, in all the markets where you sell and source. And um so when you when you look at and that's for example what, what Jeff Scott said in, in one of our past episodes and so on in the, the conversation we had. And of course if you were in a certain way better prepared because in the time before you took <laughs> a clear focus on let's say on digitalization, on being able to run your core business highly automated, because you want to focus yourself on um flexibility, on fast innovations, on on areas where you can try things out. You can you can fail of course there, but but you have this kind of, of two nodes and so on. So so you you are then in something of a wise pivot. Um, that that's that's one of the possibilities um to to probably come out better in the end like maybe others yeah because mm-hmm. you have the flexibility and you have still your core business running at a certain rate um because you need that liquidity this is what causes and what 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 what, what guarantees your liquidity but you're able to look forward and to react to whatever outcome shifts in demands and so on whatever mm-hmm. and basically um it turns out to be yeah, yeah uh, which leads absolutely. us in the next step to the operations part or the the operations line of business.
1: Yeah, and well, for operations, and the the most important thing and the most obvious thing to do at this point, of course, is uh, to adapt your health and safety standards to the new demands. I mean, that starts with having your staff wear masks, and and but can even go to having to change the layout of plants um, if. You know, you, 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 your your workers are working too closely together. That's something that we're seeing in in China happening now a lot, and yeah, that's probably something that we need to um, really factor in. And uh, then also again, this idea of establishing visibility, right? Um, every paper that you read um, coming out of BCG or McKinsey, for example, all of this idea of a control tower in their head or or McKinsey calls it a nerve center, right? Mm. They um, have this idea that you're sitting in sort of a war room-like setup in, in your boardroom and have all the latest numbers of your uh, of your firm at hand and are able to you know, react swiftly. And that's, you know, that really reminds me of your rap about um, the insight to action mantra that you're always, uh, that you always talk about when you talk about S4HANA, for example. That's really what they're aiming at here, right? And I'm afraid a lot of, um, or many customers that that I talk to, they really struggle to um, have the latest numbers available at all points in time, right? So there is often, yeah, they're often constrained by the de- technological setup that they are working with, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah,
0: it, it it pays off, like we said before, if you are digitalized now, and if if this crisis may have an effect, and um, I think we also already talked about this in the past episodes is like probably even the last one has now realized what digitalization is Mm -hmm. all about because it enables you not only to work from wherever you are or or run your business but also to 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 sell and and to consume and it's it's not only about running your business but it's also about your offerings yeah it's it's about one um if, if you're able to sell your goods and your services in one or another way uh, we are a digital channel so um, do mm-hmm. you expect something of a, of a fast switch of channels which may last for a longer time
1: yeah um, that's certainly what companies are now pressed to do right so many many companies now need to find new channels they need to switch from a brick and mortar setup to e-commerce or a face-to-face selling to to a more remote selling setup and and here it's always the question are you able to do that um are you able to um to really shift gears in that way uh and yeah but it's that's one of the recommendations that comes up quite often in those papers uh, because it's also quite an obvious one right but then on the other hand um one thing that regards pricing, which is also something that, that comes up a lot, um, is that you need to be much more flexible now with cash strapped customers, right? Because they're all in the same situation. Our revenue sources are drying up, liquidity is hard to get at this point. And um, that's why you need to make an offering to your customers that aligns more with the liquidity situation. That reminded me a lot of what our customers are doing right now. So, Hobald, for example, they, they have invented a predictive maintenance service for their heating systems that they are selling right now, right? Which is, um, they're not only selling the heating system, but they're selling a, a service that comes on top of it, and they sell it as they go. Or Kesa, for example, who are actually selling the compressed air instead of the compressors. Which is a good example because they that really aligns with um with their customers' business situation. Whenever their customer isn't using um uh, the air, right? They don't really have a liability on their books, um, which could be the asset that they bought. Had they bought an asset instead of just you know renting the service, and yeah. so that's um, yeah.
0: It's so really, that's the
1: capex to opex shift here yeah. um, on a different level.
0: Yeah. And and the, the interesting thing is what you said from these examples of when, when you sell a good, yeah, you have something like a one-time cash flow. This actually happens once. Um, yeah. When you sell a service, you continue to earn with that even at least as long as your customers still exist. And this this is basically also the message in that way that that can help you through yeah. this um this um uh, crisis in a better way. Let let's take a look now to that phase three, which mm-hmm. is um, labeled with win in the recovery. Um, it's not like everything when the dust is settled down, everything is good again, because this is one of the most interesting phases then in the in the end, yeah, because it's the least predictable.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, the recovery is still far out, right? We, nobody knows when it's when it's going to come, if it's going to come. Um, we're all wondering whether it's going to be a V-shaped or a U-shaped recovery. Uh, and it's more or less hinges on when are we able to develop and produce a vaccine. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I think is fair to say is that certain trends from the old normal are also going to be carried over to the new normal, right? And I'm specifically thinking of um, the geopolitical trends that uh, you, for example, have discussed with Hans Talbauer in episode 23, when you talked about the US against, um, against China, how China is expen- uh, expanding the sphere of influence and how this is... Um, causing upheaval in Taiwan, Hong Kong, Brexit, for example, it would be another topic about that. What's going to happen to the European Union? Um, and then also, for example, as another topic, the, the need to respond to climate change. So these are trends that will not be just ended by the coronavirus. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that will have severe uh, implications also for for, uh, for businesses. Because there is this uncertainty that will probably also persist after the coronavirus um, has abated. This will this will add to this pre-existing uncertainty that has been there before, right? So um, from an operations perspective. There, there is a case to be made that risk management, right, um, will go from being a cost mitigator to actually being a competitive advantage. Right? That um, your, because you know tacitly there's this trade-off between. Um, supply chain stability and supply chain efficiency, right? In the past days or um, in the last 20 years, there was a clear focus on um, supply chain efficiency, right? You reduce your working capital, you implement a just-in-time delivery mechanism, and uh, that went at the expense of stability, as we have now seen, right? Mm -hmm. With all the disruption of um, uh, of those supply chains, that was an effect of, You know, very far-stretched supply chains that went once across the globe and back, and um, had very little, um, you know, very little inefficiencies in them, right? Very little redundancies. That's the word I was uh, was looking for. And
0: And you're right. If if I may jump into that, because it's not the first time that we actually find out that um, global sourcing and this kind of, let's say cost cutting by going even far more far away to to source either let's say goods or components or materials or whatever we already had that for example during um, this an um, example that I remember very well for example when fukushima that mm. an earthquake was happening, and uh, with the the uh, atomic power plant exploding in the end, and so the whole area mm. was you you could not could not enter again. The car industry at that time um, was experienced several problems because unfortunately from that area most of the displays for the navigational systems came from, yeah, so they could mm. not produce because um, that tiny little component was coming more or less exclusively from a small strip. In the world somewhere in Japan. Mm-hmm. so of course they are they may now and you may read about now about those beautiful fantasies that that sourcing will be coming more local again and probably in certain way this is right this will happen mm-hmm. but um i think and this is the, let's say the the and there may be something like a second trend which is of course that still it's necessary to source globally and it's necessary Mm -hmm. to use these kind of costs, positive cost effects that other regions probably would have. But it's that you probably need more transparency about your, your sourcing situation, about your sourcing scenario, so you can switch when something happens to different other areas yeah so things like for example what you are when when what we are heavily promoting of course was Ariba yeah with source mm-hmm. networks and so mm-hmm. that you are not mm-hmm. relying on like a one-to-one connection to um, your your partners but you are part of a network which in itself yeah can stabilize yeah
1: yeah absolutely yeah absolutely I mean it, it's not going to be black and white right it's not going to be like all the supply chains are going to come Back home, um, but I think that there's going to be an increasing focus more on the supply chain stability part, right? Where manuf- manufacturers are going to be increasingly accountable to their customers about about uh, how stable are they in terms of how reliable are they in terms of um, being able to deliver even in a crisis situation, right? And and so they need to be able to prove to their customers that they will also be able to deliver no matter what. Um, so, yeah, we could see some higher stock levels to some degree, um, smaller factories, being, but higher, more highly uh, automated factories being um, set up closer to the consumption markets, right? So think of what Adidas is doing, for example, right? Uh, they are 3 d printing shoes now in Europe or in the United States as opposed to producing them in in China uh, the old the old fashioned way and then mm-hmm. shipping them to the respective markets, which is in a, in a setup like that much more advantageous to them right and yeah. we could see a trend that goes more towards towards a, a setup closer to that, yeah but Um, In the end, businesses will need to be able to handle um, even more complex supply chains because as you said, right, with with something like Ariba, like uh, with a network of suppliers, right, you need to be able to not only handle this one supplier that you had before, but now you have three or four in different parts of the world because you want to spread out the risk all over across regions. And um, that is certainly going to be a... um, a competitive advantage if you're able to do this um, uh, going forward. Yeah.
0: Let's look at people, um, because mm-hmm. uh, today I, I read in in the media that, of course, people throughout the world are losing their jobs at the moment. And, mm-hmm. um, I think nobody is really sleeping perfectly well at the moment, and this is absolutely right to do so. But when when we're talking about like the U.S., probably are having something like an unemployment and actually, um based on the numbers of people um, who apply for for support, probably has risen up to like fifteen percent again. Mm. Um, is, oh, it, is, is uh, it now that that uh, suddenly war for talent is not over yet? <laughs>
1: well, was it before uh, the war for talent is over, and talent is won and now, yeah, and now exactly. we're opening it up again, yeah, um. Maybe. I mean, there yeah is two things actually. One thing that I found particularly interesting that McKinsey had written, for example, they said that now that we're all sitting at home, you know, not sitting in our offices, uh, we could see a model um, coming up that's very akin to Amazon Mechanical Turk. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, uh, Amazon Mechanical Turk is is a platform where you can upload small pieces of work. So for example, labeling mm-hmm. um, labeling pictures for, so that um, a, a, a algorithm could learn them, right? So you need to, someone needs to label them. Uh, this is a cat, this is a dog, so that the machine learning algorithm can can be optimized based on this material. And so they upload this material to this platform and there is people sitting on the other end of this platform that are being paid a cent or a fraction of that for every picture that they're looking at, right? And um, so a crowdsourcing type of, of uh, you know employment regime, if you will, where uh, that could be something that could be much more uh, common when we come out of this crisis and are much more accustomed to working from home. But then, on the other hand, you know that um, in, usually in a crisis, when you um, when you have to lay off staff, um, often you also have to let go of your best people. So, uh, for those companies that come out the other end faster than the others, they're definitely in a better position to also attract good talent that they might not have been able to um, before Corona. So that's yeah. certainly also an and
0: in fact that we're going to see. And what um, also maybe an interesting aspect is uh, when we go through these three phases that we've talked about and of course mm. yeah, re- working from home maybe and I'm like now purely subjective here now from my own situation okay working from home for myself is not really something new I did it for <laughs> the last 15 years uh, I have always had employees which were who were supporting that, and then which, which because it fits my situation best, and I am mostly efficient by being flexible like this. So for me, mm. this is nothing new. But still, there are lots of companies, lots of people were either from their business model because you are they are manufacturing, especially for like blue-collar workers, for example. This is of course not so easy. But when they are talking about we want to attract the best people. There may be, of course, a certain shift that maybe not something like money is still relevant, maybe not something like um, the equipment in the office with having maybe a kick or whatever is, is relevant. Um, but people may think about how well equipped is this, is this company? Are they able to let me work at home when things are going down again for my own flexibility and for my own sake and for my own mm-hmm. safety? This may mm-hmm. be something which is really relevant. I also heard um, a customer of mine who said that they are really knowing that probably when this crisis is over, all those people now who went home to work, probably not everybody will return in that way Mm -hmm. that they say they will probably continue to be like this because they learned it the hard way that is possible. That is perfectly fine. We still are in this aspect with many customers we experience in 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 an effect that a mind setting is really changing in that way. So a lot of it's happening now. And on on the second aspect, when you go to the to the back to the second and third phase, when we're talking about retooling, it's also about. Um, Not only retooling your machines, but also retooling with your human capital, with your people. Like, okay, maybe we're not able to do this kind of our business, but um, with the competencies. And so my people have, what can I do instead? And by this, this may be something like the spark that sets the analytics in Mm -hmm. HR finally on fire, which is still a very young discipline to having analytics Mm -hmm. possibility in, in HR. What can I do? With with my breakfast that I have, yeah.
1: I mean that's a yeah that's a very good point. I mean um, many of the things that certainly that we now talked about in in phase three is a little bit of speculation, right? But the one thing is certain: this crisis is is changing us, right? It's it's changing the way we consume, the way we work, right, and and the way we live, plainly. Yeah. I for example, I have developed a taste for for cooking that I didn't really have before, so. People are hanging out on Zoom. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Uh, People are hanging out on Zoom instead of bars, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, many of these things are probably going to go back to where they were before we went into this crisis. And um, am I still going to love cooking as much once the restaurant's open? Who knows? I don't know. Maybe you're congratulating me too too early on that. But um, nobody will be able to predict which trends will persist will the work from home trend that you talked about before will will this persist or will we much rather go back to our offices like like you do right and i think i think this is where um what what we at sap call experience management comes in right being able to reach out to your customers being able to reach out to your workforce and really see how are they doing and, and and how are their habits and, and the way they work and the way they live developing, right? Because in really uncertain times like these, you need to be much closer to them. And yeah, and then the having the ability to adjust your operations accordingly, that's probably going to be key going forward. And um, yeah.
0: I really like the point you set up because um, definitely it's like, when we go back to the beginning of this this episode, when we talk about the war, when when people went home, who had who have changed, yeah, who had mm-hmm. you know, different things were important to them because of this. this mm-hmm. way found out they, they experience. Um, yeah. To be honest, I, I know somebody who said like, okay, the, the, the millennial generation now has, has who was thinking of maybe from the last 10 years, life is just going forward and things are just going up. It's not like this. Yeah. So, so um, this experiences change people, experience change behavior. And while probably experience management maybe not that thing that for in 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 the eyes of many and i've got this feedback from many customers in the first sense may look important now because they Mm -hmm. say like now to keep the lights on i need the more let's say conservative disciplines yeah like transparency and so on what what you talked about in the Mm -hmm. beginning are topics like which are actual since like 10 15 20 years they may be in that uh, in that aspect, in that phase, the most relevant, of course. But to win in the recovery, like you said, it it's probably be crucial that you you have to adapt in a certain way. That that you know which in which way our habits, our customers, which we ourselves are not really aware of, mm. have changed or will change, and so on. And the mm. faster the the faster you get this feedback. The faster you can adapt to this and and the the better you are on the recovery path, yeah exactly and if there's somebody still asking you like, mm, what shall I do with all that kind of exam what's in there for me?" I think that's it, yeah, yeah The classic yeah. thing may help you to survive, but the the new disciplines like the experience management probably will get you out faster and more successful, yeah. That's a really great wrap-up, I think, for that. Victor, thank you very much. Um, We will go in the next episode a little bit more into the detail for Mm -hmm. the several LOBs. Um, You said you want to continue publishing, you want to continue your research. Where Mm -hmm. can people
1: follow you? Uh, On LinkedIn, best. Um, So my name is Victor Höck, H-O-E-C-K. Just reach out and... um, Happy happy to talk to you. Yeah. Fantastic. Victor,
0: thank you very much. It was really interesting, really insightful. Thank you for all the great effort and work you put into in, in, that. Stay healthy. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me on. Thanks. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye.